Welcome back. Uh, good morning. Uh, today is episode 43, Sutta Nipata, reading through the 71 suttas. Today we're in, uh, we've moved out of, <laughs> at last, Sundaraka Bharadvaja Sutta uh, and the complexities of um, Nirvana Nibban versus the Vedantic conception of Moksha Mukti. Uh, is it, uh, are they comparable, are they not? Um, I mean, the, the bottom line is that uh, while we benefiting from the raw material cosmology may understand that complete and perfect enlightenment, the end of the path, is not the end of existence, but it's the end of reincarnation in the octave, seven dimensions, same as Buddhist 31 planes. Uh, it it is uh, you know merger with intelligent infinity or pretty much uh, dwelling in it, uh, if not having become it fully, and uh, therefore it's transconceptual. It's inconceivable. It cannot be conceived. Meanwhile, it's not extinction, and therefore uh, what Gautama is goes on, and so you can't say and you can say therefore there's some kind of consciousness or awareness, but it's certainly not associated with um, subjectivity or subject-object um, personalization, and yet there's awareness. It's pretty straightforward. And I think that's exactly what the best of the Vedantin conceptions of moksha uh, reveal, that um, there is uh, awareness, there is um, unlimited the experience of non-limitation, therefore non-duality. Uh, non, uh, the non-experience in the normal way that we have experience, and therefore it's hard to talk about uh, what uh, a, 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 an experience that is not of the normal modes of experience, because it's uh, trans-subjectivist or non-subjective, yet it is not extinction. All right, so that's pretty straightforward, really, actually. Today, uh, continuing Mahavaga, third chapter, Sutta Nipata, Sutta 5, um, actually called the Mala, not Maga, Mala Sutta. Um, Mala Sutta, uh, Gautama, uh, the Tanasaro's write-up said, What are the qualities of a recipient that produce the most merit from a gift? So again, we're looking at uh, Gautama speaking to a Brahmin who <clears throat> uh, is asking questions uh, regarding uh, Gautama's perspective on right giving of uh, Brahmanical sacrifice through their ritual to one worthy that generates maximal return, <laughs> reward, for the giver. Uh, there are three, it's a pretty straightforward sutta here, and I don't, hopefully, I can take care of it in one week. There are um, three main points, I think, that, uh, that, call, that come to attention here. One is the power of giving, the, the, the value, the consequences, the metaphysics of generosity or dana. Uh, two is um, what 
could be called a checklist of development on the path. Uh, the fourth noble truth, the path to nirvana, the deathless, uh, complete and perfect enlightenment, um, entails what development of the being. And like last sutta, we looked at Gautama speaking to Sandaraka, say, don't ask me about birth, ask me about conduct. Conduct uh, is the critical is the critical is critical on the path where there's particularly the four right exertions or the four forms of right exertion, particularly uh, avoiding <laughs> what's harmful or moving away from what's what we're actively doing or we've become attached to that is harmful. Uh, in building the helpful, what's to long-term welfare and benefit, and then cultivating it once we're, we've internalized it or once we've developed some of those habits already. Uh, and the result of that is shown in this sutta as Gautama's uh, answer to Maga, the young Brahmin Maga, explaining to that, to this type of person, the person who has made the various achievements of the path that to that one, to that recipient, uh, you ought to give, and your sacrifice and giving will have most effect, meaning um, strongest positive benevolent consequences. And so the evaluation of activity based on assessment of consequences, critical, critical pattern <laughs> principle. Uh, action... Uh, action is as uh, valuable as its consequences. And so right desire, there's no such thing in, in some Buddhism doesn't talk about right desire, but <clears throat> uh, wise, love-wisdom-based, <laughs> right action, right speech, right livelihood, they're right, sama, because their consequences are significantly uh, beneficial. And so... What we see here are the beneficial consequences of right activity, thought, word, and deed, and meditation for those on the path. And as a checklist, we can look at ourselves and consider how well have I developed that? How well am I developed in that area? Third final point that I think the sutta offers uh, is a comparison, is sort of a standard by which we can listen, by which we can think about what other people around us are talking about when they talk about being spiritual. When other people around us who are talking about spiritual this and that are talking about it, what are they saying? And what are they saying? How well, how, what, what's the concordance, the accord, the, the relation between what they're saying is spiritual versus what Gautama is saying is critical on the path uh, the fully, you know, the partially and then fully achieved seeker or spiritual developing, you know, spiritual Buddhist monk or nun or yogi or developing person. What Gautama sees as the critical developments on the path versus what some of the people around you might say is spiritual. <laughs> yeah. So... This is a land of the one-eyed, uh, you know, in the land of the blind, the, the one-eyed man is king. This is the land of the blind, and this is an age of delusion, like Orwell said, right? In the time of great deceit, in a time of universal deceit, uh, telling the truth becomes a revolutionary act. 
<clears throat> in a t- this is a this is it, baby. This is um, apocalypse at Armageddon, the great revealing and um, unraveling. Oops, somebody needs to mute. Person in Hawaii needs to mute. So, <clears throat> uh, th- this is um, this is it. This is the end times. This is World War Three, and um, uh, you can understand it as ever you wish, but it's a difficult time for humanity, obviously, and unfortunately it's going to get more difficult. <clears throat> and what's very important is to stay clear, or to return to clarity, or to recognize when we're unclear, confused, upset, unwell, imbalanced, and in love, wisdom, uh, help ourselves move through confusion, bring answers, and move through upset and dis-ease and um, distress, and to bring comfort, <clears throat> bring comfort, bring answers, bring clarity, return to balance as well as we can. And some part of that is to not take shit <laughs> and not to, not to, you know, just don't follow the deluded views of others. Lin Shi said, I think it was Lin Shi. Um, very important. Don't follow the deluded views of others. We have our delusions, but we seek to move uh, to. to move out of that into clarity and, and knowing. And so part of what I see here in this sutta is um, a standard by which we can compare at least Gautama's view here in the sutta to the essentials of development of the path and the essentials of development for a being versus what some of the folks around us in the different ashrams and sanghas and new age communities and channeling groups and this, that other place think is important. And Gautama doesn't think that um, states of awareness like uh, experience of unity, experience of bliss, experience of no self, those are signposts, those, those are valuable experiences on the way, but they're not the goal. And magical power is not the goal. And knowing intellectually is not the goal. Study is useful. But uh, it's, at best, uh, support for gnosis, or revelation, or realization, or breakthrough, which is ultimately of uh, knowledge, <laughs> knowledge and uh, knowledge, vision and knowledge of release, eventually but more and more purification of our mind of desires. And by deep mind purification, naturally, increasingly um, responding in love wisdom to catalyst. And having desires that are increasingly in harmony with love wisdom. So responding to catalyst comes out of a certain set of uh, desires, right? Speech, thought, word, and deed. What, what is thought, what is spoken, what is done physically, uh, may well be response to catalyst, may well be self-initiated, but actually even response to catalyst is self-initiated, meaning it comes out of how I am that's being affected by the catalyst from which I make my response in thought, word, and deed. Right? You say this, you do that, I have certain thought, I have make certain speech, I may make certain action, that's responsive, responding to catalyst, yet it comes by me or the subjective, unique, deep mind uh, configuration of the uh, so-called subject 
in, in relation to the catalyst of the so-called object. That's actually self-initiated in response to catalyst. Then there's what's self-initiated not in response to direct catalyst, but uh, the catalyst of um, um, option, uh, 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 an open path ahead, not an interaction with a person particularly, but a choice point in life. How will I reply? I have time. I have five hours today. What am I going to do? I need money. What am I going to do? I have these certain desires. What am I going to do? Or I don't know what I want. What are my desires? Or I know my desires, which are number one, which are higher or more important than others. All of that is uh, you know, self-initiated desire activity, desire-based activity. And purification of mind, particularly by um, Panchashila, <clears throat> restraint of uh, harm, harm, restraining harmfulness, moving towards ahimsa, harmlessness is part of the deep mind purification that's of the path, that leads to the positive consequences, that Gautama clearly presents as essential. And that can be compared profitably, usefully, <clears throat> to when people around us who are somewhat spiritually developed talk about what they think is important. And that might, might be useful for some, for some people. So I'll read it through <clears throat> and uh, restrain myself and... Um, just um, do commentary after the full read-through. So, Maga Sutta, translated by Tanasaro Bhikkhu, from the Pali, uh, Sutta Nipata 3.5. Uh, I have heard that on one occasion the Blessed One was staying near Rajagaha on Vulture Peak Mountain. Rajagraha. Then, the young Brahmin Maga went to the Blessed One and, on arrival, exchanged courteous greetings with him. After an exchange of friendly greetings and courtesies, he sat to one side. As he was sitting there, he said to the Blessed One, <clears throat> quote, Master Gautama, I am generous, a master of giving, magnanimous, responsive to requests. I search for wealth righteously. Having searched for wealth righteously, then... With wealth righteously gained, righteously acquired, I give to one, I give to two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, twenty, thirty, forty, fifty, one hundred, and to more. Thus giving, thus sacrificing, do I produce much merit? Gautama replied, <clears throat> Certainly, young man, thus giving, thus sacrificing, you produce much merit. Anyone who is generous... A master of giving, magnanimous, responsive to requests, who searches for wealth righteously, and having searched for wealth righteously, then, with wealth righteously gained, righteously acquired, gives to one, to two, to three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, twenty, thirty, forty, fifty, one hundred, and to more, produces much merit. Then the young Brahmin Maga addressed the Blessed One in verse. <clears throat> quote, I asked the magnanimous Gautama, wearing ochre robes, wandering without home, when a householder responsive to requests, a master of giving, makes a sacrifice in hopes of merit, looking for merit, giving food and drink to others here, how is the offering purified for the one making the sacrifice? 
So a centering on what is the way of purifying um, for the one making the sacrifice. Gautama replied, when a householder, responsive to requests, a master of giving, makes a sacrifice in hopes of merit, good karma, looking for merit, giving food and drink to others here, such a person achieves his aim in terms of the recipient. So the little point that took it further here is <clears throat> uh, purification of the giver is associated with the terms or nature of the recipient. Maga replied, when a householder responsive to requests, a master of giving, makes a sacrifice in hopes of merit, looking for merit, giving food and drink to others here, point out to me the recipient, <laughs> meaning point out to me who I should be giving it to. And this is then, now we have Gautama's long reply, multiple stanzas, um, where what's, um, we have some threads that pick up for a, a number of stanzas and then change to a different theme or thread for the next block of stanzas and then changes again. The first is to them, at the meaning who to give to, the nature of the recipient. To them, at the right time, you should bestow an offering. To them, a Brahmin aiming at merit should sacrifice. That goes on for several <clears throat> uh, paragraphs. Then there is the phrase, uh, their holy life fulfilled, their effluence ended. To them, at the right time, you should bestow an offering, meaning the an arahant. Then uh, he speaks about himself, and um, there are certain uh, verses associated with that. Let me see something. And so uh, this... <clears throat> uh, Eventually, he starts to speak about himself as um, the foremost of those who have uh, ended the affluence, asravas, the um, distorted, <laughs> distorted uh, mental flows or karmic predilections, deep mind blockage, deep, deep mind distortion, uh, subtle seven chakra blockages, we can say. So he speaks about himself at the end, and then um, Gautama talks about the result. So here begins the main answer to Maga about the one, the nature of the, the terms of the recipient, the nature of the recipient, <clears throat> that one desiring maximal purification and maximal merit ought to give to Gautama, the Buddha. Those who, on, on adhering, wander in the world having nothing, fully accomplished, their minds restrained, to them at the right time you should bestow an offering, to them a Brahmin aiming at merit should sacrifice. Those who have cut all fetters and bonds, tamed, released, with no afflictions, that could be... Um, No desires. To them at the right time you should bestow an offering. To them a Brahmin aiming at merit should sacrifice. Those released from all fetters and bonds, tamed, released, this is the same paragraph, with no afflictions, no desires. 
to them at the right time, you should bestow an offering, whether you're a Brahmin or not. <clears throat> and then some other qualities. Having abandoned passion, aversion, and delusion, three poisons or three unwholesome roots, their holy life fulfilled, their effluence ended. To them at the right time, you should bestow an offering. Those in whom no deceptiveness dwells, no conceit, their holy life fulfilled, their effluence ended. Those devoid of greed, unpossessive, undesiring, their holy life fulfilled, their effluence ended. Those who are not prey to cravings, who wander without possessiveness, having crossed over the flood, to them at the right time you should bestow an offering. Those who, having abandoned sensuality, wander without home, their minds well restrained, straight as a shuttle. Those devoid of passion, their faculties well-centered, released like the moon from the grasp of an eclipse. Having calmed themselves, those devoid of passion, unprovoked, meaning untriggerable, those who have no future destinations, having abandoned them here, the basis for rebirth, to them at the right time you should bestow an offering. Having abandoned birth and death without trace, they have escaped all perplexity, no confusion. They who, <clears throat> with themselves as refuge, wander in the world, having nothing, everywhere released. Those who know here as it really is, this is the last birth, there is no further becoming. To them, at the right time, you should bestow an offering. An attainer of knowledge, now he's talking about himself, delighting in jhana, meaning higher the trances, mindful sati, attain to self-awakening, hmm? no self, attain to self-awakening, the refuge of many. To him, at the right time, you should bestow an offering. To him, a Brahmin aiming at merit should sacrifice. <clears throat> and Maga replies, yes, my question was not in vain. You, blessed one, have pointed out the recipient. You know this here, as it really is, because this Dhamma has been experienced by you. When a householder, responsive to requests, a master of giving, makes a sacrifice in hopes of merit, looking for merit, giving food and drink to others here, point out to me, blessed one, the consummation of the sacrifice, meaning well, giving rightly to a qualified recipient, what is the consummation or what is the consequence of such a sacrifice? Gautama says, sacrifice, and while sacrificing Maga, said the Blessed One, make your mind clear everywhere. This is number one point. Make your mind clear everywhere. For one sacrificing, the sacrifice is the object, the support. Taking a stand there he abandons faults. He, devoid of passion, subduing aversion, developing a mind of goodwill immeasurable, right, metta, day and night, continually heedful, should pervade all the directions immeasurably, right? Ten directional metta uh, practice or ten directional goodwill immeasurable Brahma-Bahara, right? Uh, immeasurable Brahma-dwelling 
meta loving kindness projection radiation uh, that's another portion of the giving and maga replies who is purified released or bound by means of what mind does one go to the brahma world these are um, rupaloka or comparable i'd say to fourth fifth density say this sage when asked by me who doesn't know as the blessed one is my witness i have seen brahma today for you are equal to brahma for us it's true how shining one does one reappear in the brahma world meaning far from kamaloka or the physical physical world and uh, into the mid-levels mid and upper levels of higher dimensions Buddha replies, whoever sacrifices with the threefold sacrifice consummation, and that's explained above, I'll look into that in a moment, whoever sacrifices with the threefold sacrifice consummation, meaning the, full, the perfection of sacrifice, the perfection of um, perfection in sacrifice, such a one would achieve his aim in terms of the recipient. Having thus sacrificed rightly, one responsive to requests, meaning the giver, reappears, I say, in the Brahma world, world meaning Brahma Loka, which is really Rupa Loka, which could be correlated to fourth and fifth density, I think, which um, is generally, you know, what Ra would say, harvestable, meaning finished with this world or not needing to come back. In Buddhism, there's a view, you know, it's debatable, but... The Buddhist view is not that beings um, go to higher dimensions and need not come back. There seems to be some common view, which I think probably is not held by uh, forest, some of the forest masters, actually. But it's commonly held by lots of teachers that if you're not fully enlightened after this birth, you'll have to come back to Earth. I don't think that's true. Anyway, concluding, when this was said... The young Brahman Maga said to the Blessed One, Magnificent, Master Gautama, magnificent, just as if he were to place upright what was overturned, to reveal what was hidden, to show the way to one who was lost, or to carry a lamp into the dark, so that those with eyes could see forms. In the same way has Master Gautama, through many lines of reasoning, made the Dhamma clear. I go to the Master Gautama for refuge, to the Dhamma and to the Sangha of monks, May Master Gautama remember me as a lay follower who has gone for refuge from this day forward for life. So he became a Buddhist lay follower, not a monk. But <clears throat> and that you know wasn't necessarily a problem. He was born into a Brahmin family <clears throat> and uh, converted. Well, maybe I don't think you know because the, there was much shared cosmology. Uh, he saw Gautama as Brahma or as he said, I have seen Brahma today, for you are equal to Brahma for us, at least for him. Maybe not for some of his neighbors or his relatives who might not be happy with him doing so. But there was much shared cosmology and um, metaphysics, and not necessarily uh, in always some conflict between Gautama's speaking or the Buddhist monks and the Brahmanical <clears throat> Vedanta-based community at the time. So... What is the threefold sacrifice consummation? Note 5, Tanasaro, bottom of the page, said, according to Samutta Nikaya, 
or Sutanapata, sorry, Sutan, this is the capital S, small n, capital A. It's actually Sutanipata Atakata, the commentary. The threefold consummation of the sacrifice refers to the three qualities of the donor, mentioned in another sutta, Guttanakaya 637. And actually, then he said, <laughs> one, uh, the, one commentary, I guess it's Buddha Gosa, says, ex- says that this threefold consummation of sacrifice is the same as these three qualities of the donor that was mentioned elsewhere. Then Tanasaro said, however, these qualities are not mentioned in the sutta, the explanation is unlikely. <laughs> so he's actually re- refuting. He doesn't agree with uh, Buddha Gosa. But the three qualities of the donor from the other sutta, which Buddhaghosa says are what we're talking about here, is the donor before giving is glad. While giving, his or her mind is bright and clear, and after giving is gratified. And I'll conclude. Uh, while Tanasaro thinks that explanation is unlikely, he said it's more likely that the Buddha here is referring to the three points he made just above. That the donor should make his or her mind clear, should abandon the faults of passion and aversion, and should develop, meaning akusala, tamas, and should develop immeasurable thoughts of goodwill, metta. For more on the development of immeasurable goodwill, see this other sutta, Majjhima Nikaya 97. Uh, I'd say both and, and so both understandings of what is that threefold consummation or the ideal uh, way of sacrifice the path of sacrifice. It's the path of dana or generosity or giving. Now in this case, we're yes, we're talking about Brahman, sacrifice by ritual to one worthy of that. Uh, that's certainly applicable to um, the mindset, uh, an ideal mindset while making giving, doing giving, giving, helping others. So an ideal mindset, perspective, attitude from which we may be doing service to others, service to others. And so, um, I, I, yes, I make that sound funny because um, I have certain problem with describing the seven chakra path as service to others. Uh, yes, but it's also service to all. Somebody just sent me an email about this, the same question that I've fielded for a decade more that if I take care of myself, is that service to self? Or if I reject others and serve myself, am I progressing? And um, (laughs) he never replied. Even I gave a long answer, which is strange. Um, You know, (laughs) there is uh, activity, thought, word, and deed that is of love, wisdom, balance. That's particularly, that's relatively non-distorted. There is... Uh, activity, thought, word, indeed, that is of lower triad blockage, that's not polarizing or that doesn't support seven chakra perfection. So there is thought, word, indeed, and way of living that supports seven chakra perfection and that which does not. So thought, word, indeed, way of living, desires, response to catalyst, initiated action as well that either does and or does not, or does muchly, or does somewhat, or is a muddled result, or does not, or strongly does not support seven chakra evolution, plus three, you know, 
plus 3, plus 2, plus 1, 0, minus 1, minus 2, minus 3, in terms of its effect on seven tropical conditions. Uh, whatever is on the plus side is polarizing positive. Whatever is on the negative side is called depolarizing <clears throat> or strengthening chakra blockage and, imbal and imbalance. And so uh, the positive path, the path of love, wisdom, honesty, unity, balance, um, is anything that, uh, you know, any thought word indeed that supports continued balance, seven chakra, perfection, transformation. And to call it service to other only, I think is very limiting. Uh, that's a part of it. Giving and generosity, giving materially and giving time and giving advice or giving, you know, kindness. Um, that mm, physical, emotional, intellectual energy transfer, giving, is not the whole of the path. <clears throat> the whole of the path is whatever uh, supports continued transformation. So that activity will, and activity alone can also. So the intersection of the two interpretations of the three-fold consummation is um, the, the donor's mind before, during, and after, and um, the donor's mind um, throughout. So, before giving is glad, while giving, mind is bright and clear, after giving is gratified. Uh, if you're not happy to give, maybe you shouldn't give. This is an interesting principle, and you've got to figure it out yourself. Everybody's got their own take on it. <clears throat> if somebody asks me for money on the street, commonly I'll give, um, because I feel good. <laughs> How selfish. And... Uh, Yet, if they ask me three times or I give them something and they look at me like that's not enough, then I'm not glad. Maybe if I were a Buddha, I'd always be glad. Or maybe not. <laughs> but not being a Buddha, not being glad, I give myself permission to not give when the person is pestering or looks at me like uh, I'm a schmuck because I didn't give them enough the first time. Fine. Do it your own way. But... One principle here is, if you can't be glad in the giving, maybe you shouldn't be giving. Then, while giving, his mind is bright and clear. Are you really clear that you're right to be giving? Bright and clear can't be when we have deep confusion uh, or, or ambivalence about the giving itself, the, the righteousness of the giving. Many times in here, uh, the sutta... Maga's talking about the righteousness of his seeking wealth. There's nothing wrong with seeking wealth righteously. Gautama has no criticism of him seeking wealth righteously. No criticism of him um, seeking merit. No problem. That's what you want. You'll get reborn in what? You know, in the Brahma Loka. Brahma Rupa or Brahma, Brahma Loka or Rupa Loka. <clears throat> yeah, I think so. No problem. You want to uh, take your time through the octave. <laughs> no problem. I mean, if you don't want it, don't do it. If you want it, do it. But the key is righteously, meaning he doesn't want to hurt anybody. He does. He wants to get wealth with right speech, right action, and right livelihood through 
panchashila or dasasila through a moral, non-harming, um, righteous uh, means. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, <clears throat> and so he's deliberately seeking a virtuous way to get wealth and a righteous or virtuous way of giving ideally as well, <laughs> uh, basically for himself. I mean, it's very, he's totally self-centered here. He's just looking for who's the best person I can give to so I can get the most metaphysical bang for my buck or consequent, you know, the most ideal karmic consequences, karmic effect from the cause of my uh, giving. Fine. But his mind is bright and clear that this one deserves it. And so don't throw pearls before swine. <clears throat> don't throw seeds on rocky soil. Well, there probably are some people that um, you can't be glad giving to. Or we can't be glad or we can't be bright and clear while giving to. So before the giving, we may not be able to be glad. During the giving, our mind may be muddled, dark, and confused. And after the giving, we may feel not gratified, but dismayed. What the hell have I just done? Now, does that mean that the recipient was unworthy? Not necessarily. Uh, but it may be. <laughs> what is unworthy? Unworthy would just mean... Um, I, I wish to give righteously and the one that is being given to actually is deep in sin <laughs> or doesn't appreciate it or uh, is not quite an ideal recipient. If the ideal recipient, as Gautama puts it out here, is basically uh, the one who is self-tamed the one who is non-controlling, non-possessive, <clears throat> the one who abandons uh, grasping aversion, ignorance, or abandons all unwholesomeness. If that's the ideal one, the ideal recipient, and then the ideal of the ideal is to give to Gautama himself or the one that <clears throat> is finished with evolution. If that's the ideal, the converse, the opposite, <laughs> would be um, the man of sin or the person who is confirmed service to self, or the one who is an active harmful agent interpersonally. Huh? No? Um, or alone. The one who is deep in unwholesomeness, or committed to even wrong speech, wrong action, wrong livelihood. Okay? That's just logic. So if the ideal is the Buddha, and the arahants, or the yogis, the monks, the people, monk or not, who have real attainment, um, then the converse is those who go against all that, who are of little development, or are oppositional, antithetical, op um, the, the haters of religion or religiosity, the haters of virtue. There are some people who hate virtue, you know. Uh, that would not be the person to give to. <laughs> and if we indeed have some feeling that when there's an opportunity, the catalyst appears and the choice point 
is is encountered of should I or shouldn't I, will I or won't I give? The mind then, if not glad, not bright or clear, uncertain, then we should obviously pause. (laughs) That doesn't mean we should stop or not give. At least I don't think so. It's all personal. It's all subjective. You've got to figure it out yourself. But I would say, if my mind is not glad or well, then I better look at it, that I want to look at it. Why is my mind here not bright and clear or glad in a potential giving choice point? And it may have something to do with the unsuitability of the recipient. Or I'm just unwell. (laughs) And so one can look in. Then the other set of three is not so op- not so different, but it's complementary. <clears throat> the donor should make his mind clear, meaning get clear before the giving, like I just said. Should abandon faults of passion and aversion, meaning you're not stuck in greed or hate. Right? There may be somebody who approaches you on the street. Uh, there are many options of giving. That's just the common, simple-minded one. There's, you know, giving in relationship, in intimacy, in marriage, in family. There's giving at work or in work-related act, work-related activity. There's all sorts of giving. We are talking interpersonally here, and so it's socially more social more or less. Uh, but there are countless permutations of decision points, crossroads, choice points where there may be some giving uh, possible with others. Uh, giving to oneself is a sort of different matter. But it's similar, the principles here of the threefold consummation, or the ideal perspective in giving, is comparable, is useful still. Um, Clear mind, uh, not stuck in greed and hate, right? Abandon the faults of passion and aversion. Passion, passion. It's not, you know, there's some problems with words often, commonly. (laughs) Third density. You could say uh, these are two of the three unwholesome roots or poisons. Grasping and aversion. Grasping really in this case means uh, passion, means uh, greed for gain, or even obviously desire to manipulate. I'm giving because I want to get-get, any kind of get-get. I want to get you or I want to get merit. Now, he wanted merit here, Maga too, but he um, was not necessarily giving um, out of um, disturbed greed, <laughs> but metaphysical understanding that, okay, well, I like higher realms, or I like, you know, I, I like um, luxury. <laughs> he was a very stable fellow, for somebody who uh, wanted lots of getting, but he was very committed to giving, no no joke. And I think Gautama must have recognized that. He called himself, I am a master of giving. There are some. That's their whole life is about money passing through. Money passing through. It comes and it goes. It comes and it goes. And I keep some for myself. Very, very straight up. Um, uh, there's a massive throughput, and 20%, 40%, 30%, I keep for myself. And so 60% goes out the door, or 30% goes out the door, or 80% goes out the door, right? 80% is the yogin, um, 40% out the door, 
or throughput is the uh, wealthy giver. And so anywhere between 40 <laughs> and 80% throughput or non-grasp and given uh, is associated with the different types of lifestyle and the different gradients of ascent. And any of them may be susceptible to distortion, them. Any anywhere in that range of I give 40% uh, you know, it could be anything. It could be I give two percent, but a solid, serious commitment to generosity would be probably giving anywhere from a third to yeah, I don't know, eighty, ninety percent. Anywhere on that continuum <clears throat> uh, has uh, variable consequences, and yet one can be that way without significantly attached to greed. And that just means that uh, I'm happy to give and not get. Even if I want to get, I actually like the giving too. <laughs> so <clears throat> Maga didn't seem like a guy who was salivating for his getting. He seemed like a guy who loved his giving and liked his getting too. Finally, one should de develop immeasurable thoughts of goodwill or metta. And so that's very interesting that, that metta... <clears throat> is um, commended to be associated with any kind of generosity. You can say that the high, a higher form of giving than material is mental, spiritual, or um, sending love, and uh, may all beings be well and happy, you know, whatever it may be. May all beings be well and happy. May all beings be free from pain. May all beings rejoice together. May all beings live in peace. That's one rendering of the form of Rama Viharas in the ten directions. And then you've got north, south, east, west, the four intermediate points above and below. That's one way of rendering it, ten directions. That's um, very useful in righteous giving too. So um, it, there, there is some view that if one is not in the right state of mind, um, maybe one shouldn't be giving. And <clears throat> there are super rich people who give because they want their name plastered on library walls. <laughs> there are uh, super poor people who give because they simply love the guru. Or they don't feel right eating their last... Um, portion of bread while um, somebody is starving and sad in front of them. So they give it all or they give half or whatever. Uh, one of the main mean methods actually that souls get out of third density is by dana. One of the major bases I think to for depositive harvestability is dana. <clears throat> dana generosity giving. What's it all about? Well it's a very pure green ray activation or expression expression of green reactivation, it seems to me. Very pure. And then the bases of these three uh, configurations, the, the principles, the threefold consummation, the, <clears throat> the, the trinity basis of righteous giving, being one's mind, <laughs> and um, one's offering, one, one's centered centering in goodwill and then may well be radiation of goodwill uh, that's all green ray 
and it's, I mean, it's very heavy green ray, more than wisdom. But it's, <laughs> the wisdom is that um, massively focused on green ray is good for self and other and one's own long-term welfare and benefit. And so <clears throat> uh, the mind should be in the right state or in a bright, clear, non-grasping, non-distorted, more or less, condition in the giving. And, and that, that giving ought to be in the context of a basic caring for people. Goodwill, metta, whether or not one's doing the ten directional meditation, which is great, but um, not, I don't think, critical. It's great. It's generally, you see, Buddha Gautama prescribed the four Brahmaviharas, particularly for those with aversion. Now, we all have aversion. <laughs> we all have lower triad blockage associated with anger and rejectionism or aggression and frustrations and irritations. Uh, we're all triggerable to that, more or less. Um, the one who isn't commonly, simply hasn't been appropriately triggered. <laughs> commonly, the people who seem to be quite mild have simply not been appropriately triggered to their latent tendencies to aggression, aversion, and frustration, irritation. Given the right catalyst, you'll see that they, <laughs> they can be such as well. And commonly they avoid catalysts like that, actually. So we can all be, and yet um, in the act of giving is pretty important. And so it's sort of like don't eat when you're upset. Um, don't make love when you're, you're full of hatred. <laughs> uh, don't, don't take certain substances if you're suicidal. <laughs> Don't do dana when your mind is uh, unwell or attached uh, in any kind of grasping greed or aggression, hatred, frustration mode. That's important. But absolutely, dana is critical to harvestability. It's a most simple and pure expression of green reactivation, as far as I can tell. Now, to conclude just the various qualities or the checklist um, of attributes of those achieved to some degree on the path and those finished on the path. Um, I'm not going to go through all of them, or maybe I will, but I won't go at length. They're pretty straightforward. Gautama explaining, you know, uh, answering Maga's request to point out the recipient, the ideal receiver for a perfect sacrificing giving. Those who unadhering and you wander in the world having nothing fully accomplished, their minds restrained. So restraint, wise restraint. Uh, Non-grasping. This, this unadhering, uh, Tanasaro notes, can also be without attachment. And so much of the path is about progressive... The path can be understood as progressive detachment. The entirety of spiritual path, the entirety of seven chakra activation and balancing can be understood as detachment from falsehood, detachment from maya, from avidya, from uh, asrava, <laughs> asava, from klesha, meaning 
from all that's harmful, distortions in view, and harmful tendencies of the three unwholesome roots, right? Grasping, aversion, ignorance. Uh, and detachment from all the unnecessary and all the harmful and all the distorted progressively. And that's very much associated with free and easy wandering, like Kagavisana, the rhinoceros. And that's what you see a lot here in his reply. Unadhering, having nothing, um, with the mind restrained, but wander in the world, cutting fetters and bonds, released, tamed, goes back to restraint, no afflictions, no desires, um, desires lead to affliction. Bing, bing. And so, yeah. <laughs> it's very hard to have a well-mind uh, chock full of desires. And some portion, a major part, I think, of the progressive detachment and purification of deep mind. Progressive of the un purification, progressive purification of deep levels of mind. Not just the conscious mind, the roots of the conscious mind. Conscious mind, like the um, tip of the iceberg, rests upon something called the tree of mind. And the tree of mind, where it's particularly distorted, is the deep personal mind, the subconscious, the psychological, psychodynamic. And that needs to be purified. When that's purified, then both the quantity of desires decreases and the quality of desires uh, spiritualizes. Then there is a natural um, freedom from desires or increasing freedom from harmful desire, increasing proportion of desires being not harmful. I mean, there is helpful desire, right? So, um, tamed leading to released. Abandoned passion, aversion, delusion, three poisons or unwholesome roots. Then at the end, holy life fulfilled, effluence ended. No deceptiveness, right? No conceit. The um, narcissistic basis of dishonesty. Bing, 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 all over society today. <laughs> Narcissists of various levels of intellect. High intellect, low intellect. Narcissists, egotists, self-conceited, full of deception. Self-deception and uh, wrong speech deception. Deceiving by speech, self-deceiving, based on very strong conceit, based on <laughs> insecurity, inadequacy, it deflated self-esteem, down there, down to down, down below the superiority complex or um, presented, projected uh, arrogance, haughtiness, superiority complex, down, 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 but oh, down, all that is a uh, is commonly massive self-doubt. They were wounded by their daddies and mommies, and they're still little children. They're, the wounded mind remains and um, is covered over by compensatory conceit, narcissism, arrogance, which is the basis of deceptiveness. Yeah, it happens. Then, devoid of greed, unpossessive, undesiring, um, again, um, certain kind of desires get us into trouble. And um, possessiveness uh, comes out of a certain weakness and a sense of poverty. And undesiring comes from a sense of fulfillment or sufficiency. The sufficiency of, of, <laughs> of samatha, 
the sufficiency of samadhi. That's really <clears throat> the basic, one of the, oh, oh, that's my friend, she's uh, contributing to the conversation. She's become very chatty after there was a boy cat who taught her how to get what you want by continual meowing. <laughs> She's uh, downstairs outside with a strong meow. Uh, desiring. <laughs> but that's, I think, out of hunger. But um, the nature of desire, quantity, quality, very much associated with uh, second chakra conditions, sense of self. And the greater the second chakra blockage, the greater the distortion of the sense of self, and the more tangled and um, turbid the um, complex of desires. And uh, the more likely the person will fall into self-deception and wrong speech deception of other. This is psychodynamic. And back to that again. Those who aren't prey to cravings wander without possessiveness. And so... Um, craving as deep mind wound as the response to deep mind wounding leading to possessiveness those that can the, where there's some purification of deep mind um, there is also a recognition of the harmfulness of possessiveness I control you you know the, the master controlled by the very uh, attachment to controlling a slave the, the top is a bottom Every top is a bottom. <laughs> every dominant is a submissive. And um, every uh, controller is controlled by their blind spots, by their pain, by their unhealed pain. Going on, abandoned sensuality, another type of possessing, possessive. And again, this notion of wandering without home, released like the moon from the grasp of an eclipse, devoid of passion, Devoid of passion, unprovoked, unprovoked, <laughs> unprovocable, escaped perplexity. Mind gets clearer too, and um, confusion as the result of self-deception. Hmm, why am I confused? Because I can't be clear. Why can't I be clear? I haven't made enough effort to get clear. Why have I not made enough effort to get clear? Um, I'm probably afraid of what I might find, or I think I'm a moron who doesn't know how to think, or um, I don't think that it's possible that I can know who's me. I'm not an expert. I'm just, you know, Mr. Nobody. I'm not qualified. Some kind of wounding in the sense of self as the basis of perplexity. Hmm. Why perplexed? Unknowing. Why unknowing? Inadequate efforts toward knowing. Why inadequate effort toward, on, toward knowing? Mm, lack of faith in self, um, weakness, um, self-doubt, deep level belief of self-inadequacy, um, distorted core beliefs of self, could be, it's in there. And then one becomes not only perplexed, but self-deceiving. So knowing as a function of psychological health and sense of self the core levels of psychological health being the sense of self. Knowing yourself, know yourself, accept yourself, right? Um, requires, have some faith in yourself. <laughs> Love yourself or be at least kind to yourself. And um, when you're in pain, acknowledge I'm in pain. 
and then ask, why am I in pain? What am I in pain about? What are the many causes, the multiple, not the one, the multiple causes of why I'm in pain? And then trust that you may answer, you surely can answer your own questions. And then, <laughs> eventually, at the end, they who know here, here, not over there, here, as it really is, this is the last birth, no further becoming, the end of bhava, that's the attainer of knowledge, um, the one who, the, the, the yana, the knower, the refuge of many, right? The one who has helped him herself so well that he has, he, she has a surfeit, has an abundance, is capable of being a benefit to other. So if you want to be of service to other, um, deeply take good care of yourself. Uh, healing of other, first practice upon self. Right? You want to, want to be a great healer? First heal thyself deeply. Healer, heal thyself first. Or in parallel to helping other. And so, um, that all, all of that leads to the mind that can do uh, ten directional meta meditation or that is okay in, in, that, it, that walks, as far as I know, <laughs> in some kind of normal condition of samatha, samadhi, samadhi as concentration, samatha as tranquility. In some basic equanimity, upekka, right? Fourth Brahma Vihara, equanimity akin to samatha, which is not the same as samadhi, but they're pretty close. Samadhi as concentration, again, there are many translations for each of the words. Uh, calm abiding as samatha, calm abiding by concentration, by quiet mind, non-proliferation, non-production of samskara, yeah. And um, that mind of equanimity and relative uh, tranquility, um, concentration, peace, quiet, is naturally of metta. And there naturally isn't stuck in heavy possessiveness, controlling, desiring, or hating and aversion and all that. And that's uh, a moderately or increasingly purified mind. And so, sacrificed rightly, then one would rightly reappear in higher dimensions. And that's, of course, the case. And um, the importance, again, of generosity for harvestability from the raw materials perspective, because it's a big deal. And, you know, um, Buddha Dhamma and, um, you know, Vedanta, and um, Advaita Vedanta, and classical Vedanta, and the Upanishads, talking about the path, Brahmanism, they don't really hold any um, stock in the value of higher dimensional rebirth. And yet, nearly all of us <laughs> will not go from third density to eight or leaving the octave. Even if one goes three, six, eight, that just doesn't happen so often. That native 3D souls go next lifetime to Atmanic union, you know, Jivatman becomes Atman, or Jivatman is the, is the destination, then goes out of the octave. Most everyone takes a, a while <laughs> to get out of the octave to go through the 31 planes. And so there is a little problem, as usual. There are various problems. You know, nothing's perfect here. So 
one of the problems of Buddhism, Buddha Dhamma, a core, you know, excellent Buddha Dhamma and Vedanta, is I think underplaying the 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 value of and then the near uh, the the near certainty <laughs> that everyone who is well is somewhat spiritually developed will not go out of the octave after this lifetime. I mean, in India, they have some view that like any guy that they call a holy man dies. That's their mahasamadhi, and then they go out out of the octave to moksha mukti. That's not true. It's nearly never true, as far as I can tell from my ignorance. That's as far as I can tell, never true. Nearly never true. It's possible. Great yogis do. But most 99% of the people don't. Or 99.99. With many nines, don't go out of the octave after that. So it's okay <laughs> to go step by step, little by little. But um, the next step uh, fourth density, which is like Yeshua talking about freedom from death, freedom from the need to reincarnate in third density and return and re- continually experience physical death, is graduation to fourth density. And that's the great opportunity for humanity, and that's what this dimensional shift experience is all about. But to conclude, um, this uh, gives us a perspective on the essentials of spiritual path, the essentials of transformation, the essential transformations of mind and behavior associated with attainment or development on spiritual path, and um, you should, we should know it. I want to know it, and I think you ought to know it too. And uh, then, then one can also. Uh, not be swayed in the breeze when somewhat spiritually developed, sincere, even sincere, sincere and insincere people around us uh, talk about what spirituality means to them, what achievement and attainment means to them. And um, one has here a standard uh, for comparison. So, um, that's my dana for today. And I hope this was helpful. I think it's very nice sutta and very straightforward and a kind of meditation on dana and righteous giving. And um, it's a universal karmic principle. Um, This is universal law, cause and effect, the consequentiality of uh, the karma of giving and that that may well be um, purified the perspective on giving, the act of giving, and therefore the consequences of the giving. So, anyway, I give you that. Next time, we go to 3.6, uh, Sabhya Sutta, Sabhya, and very interesting, uh, Tanasaro's write-up, a sutta dating from early in the Buddha's teaching career, a wanderer. Hmm. We had them back then too, you know. A wanderer, Disappointed in the teachings he's received from other teachers, hmm, approaches the Buddha with his questions. Well, that's great. <laughs> that may be one reason that uh, we're all of us are here, speaking and listening. I'm listening too, uh, because we've been disappointed with some other teachers. Even there are other teachings that are great. We still value deep teaching, uh, and one should rightly not. Um, shack up with uh, distorted teaching or distorted view.
So, in any case, um, I hope that was helpful. Thank you for being here. Please take good care of yourselves and those around you. See you next week. Good night.